Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Latara. <laughs> the Tara. The Tara, yes. Greetings, citizens. It's like it's an acronym, like your computer system, the... the Terra 9000? Yeah, the, the, the terabit uh, analytical... Radar <laughs> apparatus? Yes, there you go. <laughs> Automaton. Yes. Uh, we are a science fiction movie podcast. Every week we watch a science fiction movie. We get together, we talk about it, and it'll usually last about an hour to two hours. Um, something in there, and uh, we'll do that. We are going to be talking about another time travel movie. We have been do- every so often doing a time travel movie. The idea is, is that eventually... Uh, we'll do a top 10 time travel movie uh, list. So this week we are looking at Time After Time. Sorry, actually, let me let me do that. This week we are looking at Time After Time. Yep. Just like the final countdown. It's you can't the, help yourself. I know. <laughs> Get it out of your system now. Although, actually, wh- the song wasn't in the movie, was it? Was the song not released until after this movie? It may not have been. No, much like the band Europe was inspired by the film <laughs> Final Countdown to write the song, Cindy Lauper wrote the song after she saw this title in like a TV guide or something. <laughs> You're taking the yeah. piss, right? <laughs> she didn't actually say that. I know she didn't. Hold on, I'm looking. I'm looking at Wikipedia here. Time After Time was released in 1984, the song that is. Because uh, uh, this movie is 1979. So... Nine. Uh, yes. Uh, so it's funny that again we have a movie where there's a song from just a little bit later. Because again, Final Countdown was like eighty, and then obviously Final Countdown by Europe was mid eighty sometime. I don't know what year it was, but uh, a little bit later. So I think that's funny. That's funny. Uh, also, I'm glad you knew it was Cindy Lauper because I couldn't have told you that. Uh, I don't know who Cindy Lauper is though, because she does the Goonies song, and she does Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I know those are Cindy Lauper. Uh. No, she doesn't do that song. No? Who's that? Girls Just Want to Have Fun? Isn't that like the Go-Go's? I'm Googling it. <laughs> Girls Just Want to Have Fun song. Maybe I'm wrong. Cindy Lauper. Point for ah, Peter. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> You win this round. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyway, I just got lyrics for time after time so I can do more of it later. Because um, so <laughs> I don't know the lyrics off the top of my head. I know time after time. I know that part. I know the rest of it. You know, you don't mean some if lyrics. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. time. Yep. <laughs> if you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting. Is that how it goes? Okay. <laughs> I don't know the tune for the next part, all right? So. <laughs> I don't know if I do either. It just repeats those, it just repeats those two bits again. So there we go. We've got the song out of our system. Uh, so it's, done, film, it's over. It's over. On to the science fiction. On to the science fiction. Of course, it's a time travel movie. And what's really funny about this, uh, before we even get to the very notable cast that are in this, uh, and I'd never seen this. You'd seen this before we were younger, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's funny how we just did The Time Machine a little bit ago, because The Time Machine, of course, is about H.G. Wells, and it's actually based on the book The Time Machine. Uh, this actually has a similar kind of start-up almost, where 
uh, H.G. Wells has got friends round. It's like 1897 and he's got friends round to tell him that he's built a time machine. And it's, I was getting these weird like flashbacks. I'm like, I just watched this movie. What's happening? Yeah. Um, obviously, the premise... It's a bit of a remake. Uh, yeah, the premise from that point on, though, gets vastly different because instead of going through the future and en- ending up like far in the future with the uh, the two tribes, whatever they were called, I'm sure Tara remembers, I don't know. Um, the Elo... The El- Elowites or Elowites and the Modocs. Well, that's sounds... Mor- Morlocks. Morlocks. Mor- Modok is a, St- is a Marvel thing. thing right? yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that sounds right. Uh, so instead of going way into the future, though, he just comes to at the time, present day, nineteen seventy-nine, and the, the the twist here is that one of his friends just happens to be the person because obviously Jack the Ripper is a famous story, and no one really knows who Jack the Ripper was. He was never caught. So the joke here. I say joke, you know what I mean. Uh, so the, the premise here is that his friend John is Jack the Ripper and he's found out at this dinner party and because he's already showed them the time machine, Jack the Ripper makes a beeline for the time machine and comes to present day. And H.G. Wells, fearing that he has let a monster loose upon a world that doesn't wait for him, especially in this movie because he thinks that yeah. the future, like he's only a, a few utopia. generations away from a utopia. Yes, he thinks that by the time we get to 1979, there'll be no crime, no violence, no wars. It'll be just a one big happy place. It'll be Star Trek. It'll be Star. That's what he's hoping for. Yeah, he's hoping for Star Trek. Uh, and unfortunately, we were not quite there then, and we're still not quite there yet, unfortunately. But uh, that's what he's hoping for. So he thinks he's 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 aided a monster into a world that's not prepared for him. He basically actually. Better comparison, he basically thought he'd accidentally enacted the plot of Demolition Man, where he'd sent a criminal from his time into the future where they where they wouldn't be prepared because they don't have criminals mm. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, I'm proud of that comparison. <laughs> so he gets to the time machine. There's a, there's a contrived plot explanation as to why the time machine actually comes back. If you don't have the key, it'll like bounce back to its starting point. Um, mm-hmm. That's just there to justify why he can then follow up <laughs> because there's really no reason yeah, for it otherwise. Why he doesn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to 1979 and the movie plays out in 1979 and he's hunting Jack the Ripper in modern times calm down Foxy it's okay and he has a love interest he runs into Amy who works at the bank and the three of them are the main characters who go throughout the film Um, notably the cast here we have Malcolm McDowell as H.D. Wells um, who you may know from A Clockwork Orange most famously even though I know Tara's dying to jump in with but Star Trek Generations he's Soren (laughs) it's Star Trek Generations have you guys reviewed that one yet? Uh, not yet, because we're we're doing that after we do next gen. Isn't it also sort of an original series? Well, it is, but it's also post all of next gen in terms of Picard stuff. It's gonna take so long. I know, but you want us to do the whole show, though, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so we we have we have him uh, also from the shitty Rob Zombie Halloween movies is where I, I have a, a distaste for him. Um, <laughs> he's kind of unrecognizable in this too. He's pretty young, plus he's got the big mustache. I mean, I could I, I could see it was him, uh, but you can kind of hear it. But yeah, uh, so, I I didn't I didn't register it right away. And you've he's got... so like young and cute with like hair color. <laughs> <laughs> I just know. I just see him as this uh, like white-haired evil guy from. Oh, you know what he's from? Mm-hmm. The Wing Commander games. 
<laughs> oh yes you're right and we yes. have two wing commander alumni in this movie we do because the next guy i'm going to talk about jack the ripper he's played by david warner who was in jack the ripper or, or sorry in jack the ripper in wing commander but of course i knew him because i even i brought this up in wing commander i know him from a couple of different things he was in the uh, supergirl movie he was in teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 secret of the use which while these those may not sound like big movies they were big in my childhood okay so <laughs> well you know which one's big in my childhood Star Trek 5 and 6. Star, Star Trek 6, he's Chancellor Gorkon. And Star Trek 5. Don't let it end this way. <laughs> he's that guy. Yeah, but he also plays a human in 5. He's in both. He's in 5? Yeah, he's play, he plays a human in 5. Because I, I, when we got to 6, and I, I recognized him as, in, as a Klingon, and I went, wait a minute, he was in the last one as a human. Mm, I should rewatch it. I love 5. I know, I know you do. <laughs> So, uh, and then we have the love interest, Amy Robbins, played by Mary Steenburgen, who I know from one thing and one thing alone, and that is Back to the Future Part 3. <laughs> Similar characters, huh? <laughs> uh, kind of, in a way. She has a type. <laughs> she has a type. Uh, although, it is worth mentioning, I was shocked at some of her dialogue in this movie. Uh, it's, it's aged in an interesting way, let's just say. We'll get into that in spoilers. Uh, which obviously we're starting spoiler free here. Just I didn't say that already, so spoiler free for now. Um, so uh, I also saw her pop up as herself in Kirby Enthusiasm because she's uh, Ted Danson's wife, if I remember right. Uh, so that's correct. Yeah. So that's our three main cast. Um, there's also a cameo from a very young Corey Feldman. Uh, <laughs> years before he Instantly was recognizable. I know it's weird. He's he's like five or something in this. Oh, I mean, obviously he was. When we get to like the Goonies and you know, this Fred... has to be his first movie. I mean, it's early there. It's definitely early on in his career. Because obviously yeah. most people know him from, at least as a kid, from Gremlins and Friday the 13th Part 4, which were 84 and 85. I think, no, they're both 84. No, I'm thinking about it. So, um, yeah, so he's like... So, no, he'd be probably older than five. He's probably like eight or something like that in this movie. But, um, you know, it's it was funny seeing him. He's really young. He's, he's only in I one would scene. I think like four or five. I mean... Yeah, but he's he's more than ten when he when you get to Gremlins, though, right? He's he's a bit older than that. And that he's more like twelve or thirteen in that, right? I don't remember. You know what? Let me just let me just wrap this up because I've already. Do we have to settle it. I've okay. proven you wrong already. Uh, so he was born in seventy one. So let's say they shot it in seventy eight. He would have been seven or eight, depending on what part of the year. He's so tiny. He's tiny. He's got a big head, though. <laughs> he's got he's got that big Corey Feldman face on this little boy's body. It's yeah. It's, it's kind of funny how his face has not really changed all that much in you know forty years. <laughs> know. He was, it's funny how like the scene comes up. He's got like one line, and I think it's just "mom," <laughs> <laughs> and instantly I'm like, "Is that Corey Feldman? Oh my God, he's small." Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm, I'm just going to check, actually, since you asked if it was his first movie, I might as well, while I'm on his IMDb page. Um, it's not. It's actually his... If you, well, he did one movie before. He was Boy Fisherman number one, and he's done three, two TV movies and one TV series before Time After Time. So, but wow. this, is, this was his biggest <laughs> so far. The director also has done Star Trek films. He wrote three of them and directed two of them. Whoa. Oh, uh, Nicholas Meyer. Yeah, I'd, I'd have known that if I'd, yeah. if I'd checked the name. 
Um, he, yeah, I was looking him up. He's he's mostly just a writer. Like he really hasn't directed very much, but uh, he did direct Wrath of Khan and Undiscovered Country. Yeah, and this would have, this is before Wrath of Khan. This is a, this is a few years before. This is because this is the same year that Motion Picture came out. Uh, mm-hmm. This one, so yeah, look at all these Star Trek connections you're getting. I know. <laughs> this is not fair. It's not fair. Um, so yes. Well I, well, I guess we'll, we'll set up the premise of the film. It's, uh, you know, H.G. Wells is chasing Jack the Ripper in present day after coming from the the end of the century. And, of course, a lot of the movie is the fish out of water. Him, you know, yeah, on Yeah, a lot of it's comedy. Is, and we'll get into that. But, Tara, did you enjoy Time After Time? Sorry. Time After Time. I did enjoy Time After Time. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, it was the same in, um, see for a long time in the TV news. Was it TV? No, it was a movie news. There was a movie coming out called um, I Think We're Alone Now, and every time it came up in the news, I couldn't help but go, <laughs> I think we're alone now. <laughs> like every time. I couldn't, I couldn't not read the title without doing it. Um, so, yes. Uh, so you, you liked it. You had fun with it. Um, I did, yeah. I like it. Exactly. I had fun with it. I, a lot of the comedy works for me. Um, it is a bit down memory lane because I have seen this movie before and mm-hmm. I think I've seen it a few times because not a lot of it looked new to me when I was watching it. And I really like the performances, especially from Malcolm McDowell. I think he really sells it. Yeah. Um, I, I I mean, I, I thought it was, was enjoyable as well. I, I don't think it's a great movie. I think, I, I think it, it caps off it good and never becomes great for a few different reasons. I think... Because the movie actually opens with a sort of tense, like, POV Jack the Ripper scene, like, in 1897, and I thought that scene was actually pretty cool, and mm-hmm. it, it almost made it feel like it was going to be more of a thriller, right? But then most of the movie is this comedy of, like, fish out of water stuff, so when it comes back to try to be threatening again towards the end, it kind of, like, yeah, you're not going to get me back now. Like, you, you've, you've turned it into a comedy, like, I don't feel I tense. Think, I think it's a really, a really interesting premise to have like H.G. Wells be a time traveler and like seemingly that's where his inspiration came from and have also a Jack the Ripper plot in it. Like it's, it's a bit bizarre, but I, I think, it, I don't know. I think it works pretty well. I, I don't love the performance of David Warner as Jack the Ripper. Cause maybe for the reasons you say, like, it's just, it seems a little bit like jarring. Um, because it doesn't seem like maybe it's supposed to be in the same film since we are watching almost a family-friendly comedy. But, and then all of a sudden we have to deal with a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I would have liked the dark version of this. I think a dark thriller version of this where it takes itself a bit more seriously and doesn't have as much mm-hmm. of the comedy. I think I could get into that. I think I'd be really into like the, the, the threat of like the serial killer from the past, like Jack the Ripper is unleashed in San Francisco. Yeah, you know, we kind of watched The Twilight Zone that was similar the idea of pulling someone mm. from the past and it it ended up being like you know a bad guy <laughs> and not realizing it you know and mm. what that would what would that do i do like the idea of having jack the ripper in the future and feeling like this is the world for him and what that means yeah, because obviously yeah. once they get to present day 79, H.G. Wells' initial thing is that he's shocked that the world is not this utopia. It's actually, right. if anything, worse. 
and yeah uh, and then jack the ripper's like oh this world's made for me they caught up to me look at look at all this murder <laughs> and death on tv this is this is my kind of world um of yeah, course he's, yeah. he's, i don't want to say too much you know yeah. kind of going into the but like details oh, but you know i i do like that premise and you know jack the ripper is a familiar sounding name a lot of the time travel stuff uh doesn't really make sense <laughs> um but whatever it, it's fun i had to i had a fun time watching it yeah th- th- this is from the this is before the era where they started to try and work out how time travel works they just didn't care it was just just do it for the fun stuff and uh, not not worry yeah. about the details and there's a lot of times in the film where H.G. Wells, who has a time machine, says, I don't have time for this. And you're like, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> We're too yeah. late for this. Uh, yeah. You have a time machine. <laughs> yeah, because the, the, the first instinct I would have to do if I was writing a script for this premise is that I would say at some point something bad does happen and he he, he purposely goes back a few days so there'll be two of them running around. Kind of, kind of Back to the Future Part 2 style where he's mm-hmm. then in the earlier part of the film and he's having to avoid himself. But the movie never does that. The, this is not a spoiler. It just never goes down that path or even thinks no, about it. No, like um, He makes one trip and then that's it. Like, and, <laughs> which would be fine if he was cut off from his time machine but he's actually not. He can basically go and use his time machine the whole movie if he mm-hmm. wants. He just doesn't. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Uh yeah it's uh that part is a little whenever that came up i was like what are you talking about but (laughs) other than that like yeah the movie's fun i i i don't think it's it maybe doesn't age like all that well but it it's still an interesting film from the time it came out and there's a lot of like little details that they have in the movie we're like oh that's smart like that you would include that because those are details that usually, I don't know, studios or writers are like, ah, the audience won't think about that. But this movie does. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a fine movie. It, I, I think it, like, like, I don't think it deserves to be called a classic or anything like that because it's not, I think there's a reason why it's not, like, that known these days. Like, it's not, like, something that people bring up. It's not something like Back to the Future or, um, I mean, or even just non-time travel stuff, like, just stuff from the end of the 70s. I think there's a reason why when we think of 79, we're, th- we're thinking about Alien, we're thinking about, uh, you know, other movies. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, like, obviously we watch a lot of movies, right? We watch a lot of movies that are coming out today and we see a varying quality from great to bad to a lot of mediocre mm-hmm. and whatever else. And the funny thing about movies from years and years and years ago is that typically all the ones that have at least a big fan base or some kind of fan base are the ones that stick around because you hear about them because they've they've endured somehow because people care about them um and people care about alien people care about back to the future so it was just really easy for us growing up to find those because people will say no no you have to watch these movies yeah those movies are a lot bigger than this one though well they are but this is the thing if if this had hit like if, if this had been good enough to be remembered and get that kind of audience because what, what i'm basically describing here is this, this is a solid I, fine fine movie but the reason why no one remembers it is because it wasn't good enough to actually have a lasting impact i don't think on enough people i think older people do know this movie though do they yeah i mean this is a movie my parents both knew really well and like shared with me yeah i guess but I don't like it, it was probably a summer film that people saw and went, oh, that was actually pretty good and not like depressing and had a good time and went and watched <laughs> it again. 
but like not a yeah not a classic like alien sure that was like uh, <laughs> revolutionary but i don't i don't know i think more, i think a lot of people do know this movie i mean maybe i i i've never heard anyone talk about it like i, I literally you brought it up and the only reason why i knew even knew it existed or even knew I had enough ideas what it was is because cbs tried to make it into a tv show a couple of years ago and i saw that pilot oh, yeah and it was not good they, they canceled it after like three episodes it was it was it was terror bad but um, i don't like that phrase <laughs> because it sounds like tara bad i know like i'm saying terror bad terrible and bad terra bad you need to... I think you just need to abandon that phrase. <laughs> it's not a catchphrase, is it? That's not a catchphrase. I use it from time to time. Time after time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to look it up. You're going to look what up? Night, movies, 1979. My freaking cat. I can hear him. All right, the first one on the list is Alien, then Apocalypse Now. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Then the Muppet movie. Sure. Warriors, Kramer versus Kramer, being there. Okay, maybe it is far down the line. <laughs> Black Dahlian, China Syndrome, Motion Picture, Rocky Two, Amityville, Live at Brian, <laughs> uh, Phantasm, Escape from Alcatraz, Mad Max. Actually, is a pretty good year. What we're saying is, is that I've just achieved a hat trick, except this, this one was an own goal because Tara did this to herself. <laughs> Nosferatu and a stranger call. Oh, I love Nosferatu. Well, not bad as well, actually. Dracula. Time after time, I found it. It's like number thirty on there. <laughs> so let me ask you this. I'm exaggerating, but it was pretty far down the line. Yeah, but let me ask you this: Do you think the thirtieth movie from this year will be remembered in forty years' time? No, because we only make garbage now. <laughs> we have like one good movie a year. I'll take the one. It already came out. I think it was Midsummer. I don't know if I've seen anything great other than that. Yeah, Midsummer is really good. I've got, I've got some of my to watch list that might, uh, might uh, beef out my top 10 and make it. I, I feel like it's always November to like February time where I see most of the best films from like the, the year that's ending. Because. Yeah. You know, that's when you hear about what's good. Oscar season comes in. And it's not even necessarily the Oscar movies specifically that I watch. It's just that's when all the, the gems are found and people are talking about them. And, you know, that's how last year, at this time of year, I was watching things like 8th Grade and, um, you know, Assassination Nation. And, like, these are really good. I guess. I don't know. I'm sorry, I have depression now because I've made you realize just how <laughs> how much things skew to being mediocre. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I haven't really seen a lot of good movies this year. There's not been many of them. So the point, anyway, then the point before Tara wanted to fight me on all of that is just that it's a good movie, but it's not like great. There's nothing that really propels it to being like, um, like you know, it's directed well enough. It's, it's the mm -hmm. performances are, are pretty good. Um, but I think the script just kind of scratches some of the surface of what the interesting parts of this story could be. Um, and kind of plays it a bit too straight for it to really sort of come home as a like a, you know, either something that is just a comedy and really fun or something that is very visceral it kind of does this thing in between uh, but it's it's generally pleasing to watch though it's not like a it's not a bad experience by any means uh yeah sure and it's you know kind of a love story too yes and what a love story is 
so um, I think uh, with that said, I we, like it. We'll give the <laughs> we'll give the spoiler warning, um, and we will uh, shoot right into it. So before we start the spoilers, though, Tara, how can people support us on Patreon? You can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash mouthless TV. Uh, donating as little as a dollar per month will get you bonus episodes that we do. We are going through the Transfers saga. You can check out how we feel about Time Cop, uh, Judge Dredd, all sorts of films. So uh, check it out if you like what we do and want to see more. Tara, you're a pioneer because I'm pretty sure you're the first person in the history of humanity who has described transfers consistently as a saga. <laughs> yeah, well, if you um, if you read the back of the Blu-ray cover <laughs> and you believe what they write, then uh, yeah, it's definitely a saga. The saga s- of probably the most important saga <laughs> ever been put to film. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just add to that, I'll, I'll thank Patreon producers, uh, David Sharp, Alison M. Fordis, Cindy Palacios, Tyler Hess, and Talking Superman. Thank you for being producers. Patreon producers, that is. Uh, so uh, go over to Patreon and see if you want to do that, or just, just throw in a dollar and get some bonus stuff. Uh, every dollar matters and helps. Uh, so, uh, so spoilers then for time after time. The movie begins, as I said, with a Jack the Ripper sequence, POV, which I kind of love. You were in old London town and this prostitute comes up to him and is like, all right, Gavna, and, you know, all that bollocks. <laughs> all right, Gavna. <laughs> um, and she's, and he, he holds up a coin. She's British. <laughs> holds up a coin. She's like, oh, you're very far, aren't you, love? And, you know, takes him, <laughs> takes him to an alleyway. And I actually laughed out loud here for a second because uh, she's like, she sort of like suggestively lifts up her skirt to like be like, oh, it's time time for the, the nasty business. But because this is 1897 and these clothes have Scott so many... Boomers. These clothes have so many layers that I'm like, I don't... There's nothing to see! It's just more <laughs> layers of white fabric. <laughs> Ooh, I can see her ankles. <laughs> Man, I know, I get, that, I get that I live in the modern age and I'm desensitized to scantily clad, you know, sleazy shit from every angle. But, sure. like, I'm just like, there's nothing to see. <laughs> I kind of love the performance of the woman, though, who's playing the sure. prostitute. I thought she was really fun. <laughs> she was, like, super drunk, and, you know, she's just basically talking to herself to a camera, and she really plays it well. I, I don't know. I like the scene. I like, to, I like to see it as well. I like to put out his little locket that plays a little tune, um, mm-hmm. and then he, you know, he kills her with his blade, and... Uh, you know, and it set me up for like more kill scenes, and I'm not saying that wanted a slasher movie out of this, but like I was expecting more of a thriller because of this opening scene. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, after this, we go yeah, the tomato yeah. soup splashes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, this is from the era before they got the color of the blood quite right <laughs> in yeah. movies. It just looks a little bit too bright and off. Like it's like yeah. yeah. Uh, so we go to H. G. Wells, and he's got the people around, and uh, uh, John comes in late. David Warner's character, and obviously, like immediately. Because I know what the premise is. I'm like, okay, he's Jack the Ripper. <laughs> he's like, he's he's off being a surgeon, and uh, it's like, you know, he's pretending that he's at work when he's actually out killing hookers. And you know, H.G. Wells tells him about the time machine. He takes him downstairs. Let's talk about the design of this time machine because, unlike the classic time machine design of the time machine, this looks like a fish. You don't have the big fan. No, it looks like a fish. <laughs> I guess it's true. It's got instead of the big fan that they have at the back of it, instead we have a, I don't know, satellite dish so you can get good reception. 
It's got a weird sort of bubbly sort of fish look to it, which uh, was kind of weird. With a bunch of jewels on the side. Yeah. Luckily, H.G. Yeah. Uh, Wells is dumb enough to explain to all of them how it works so that Jack the Ripper can, in a few minutes, come down and use it himself. Uh, they, yeah. think, they think he's full of <laughs> shit, of course. They don't believe him. But they're back up for, for, for drinks or whatever, and the door goes and it's like, Scotland's hat, sorry. Scotland Yard's here to see you, sir. You know, the, the maid. I, I can't do the accents, but I'm going to keep doing it because it's just too funny to try. And he was like, what's the meaning of this then? Uh, you know, kind of thing. He's like, sorry, sir, but Jack the Ripper, struck again. Like, you know, did all that. Um, yeah, this scene, I'm sure it's done on purpose, but it's almost like shot for shot. The scenes where they're like together and checking out the the time machine. It's almost like shot for shot, the movie that we just watched. And I'm sure it's done on purpose that way. So you can be oh, like, sure. oh, so this is supposed to be how he gets the inspiration to write the book. Yeah. Um, obviously, until the police show up, which completely changes right, things. Where things yeah. take a turn. I will say, but... I was liking this stuff until the police show up. I thought that the, the, the discovery of the bag and then the immediate assumption that this guy's Jack the Ripper felt a bit too quick. Like, it felt like there was maybe some more pacing we could have had here where they slowly realized that the one they're with... Because it'd be like, wait, why is John not here with this? Because, you know, you notice in the scene that everyone's came out to talk to them and, like, he's mm-hmm. the only one who's missing. And then, you know, it'd be nice if they noticed he wasn't there and then, like, started to suspect him and then maybe, hey, let's look in his bag and then found, like, a blade or something. You know, like, I, I felt like the police just sort of find it and go, oh, it must be him, look at these gloves. <laughs> yeah. Just- I know. Just immediately. The fool, he left his blood-soaked gloves in his bag. <laughs> so Classic mistake. So they you basically... Jack the Ripper would have been caught long ago. I know. But they, they, so the police escort all the, all the guys home because they're all scared. Um, even though the guys literally only murdered prostitutes up until this point. So I'm not sure why they're... Well, also, they're like, okay, we know he's in the house. And they're like, well, we searched the house and there's no way he can escape any of the rooms. But uh, good luck. <laughs> we're just gonna leave you alone in the house <laughs> we'll give you an update sir if we get anything tomorrow <laughs> yeah. um yes of you course know, just like leave a guard there just in case he's behind a i don't know a wallboard or something <laughs> so the maid is like yeah it's so weird you were at the door the whole time and there's no way out and then hg gets the he gets the idea he's like oh wait a minute and he goes downstairs and his time machine's gone. And then, of course, it comes back, though. We get this really dated effect where it kind of, like, comes back in. All these, I like, kind of love it, though. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying I dislike it. That This type of effect from this era makes me smile because mm-hmm. it's, like, nostalgia-infused. <laughs> but um, we get this, you know... All the little scratches on the, on the film, you know, they had yeah. to do or to add the little animation yeah. firework things. <laughs> so it. it appears in front of him, and it's like, okay, so it bounced back because he doesn't have the key. Uh, and he's like, well, I have to go and get him. I have to go. I, I've, I've unleashed this monster upon the utopia of the future. I must go and and save them. I do I do like, though, that he... Well, this is the thing. So he says to his maid, hey, get me the, the housekeeping money and give me anything you have as well. Uh, I, I may have to barter in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is, this is what I mean. Like, I like these little details that they throw in there that I think other films or... TV shows even, like, we'll just skip. Yeah, I like that too. I, I do have a bit of an issue, though. He goes to the bank when he gets there. I was skipping ahead a little bit, but since we're on this topic, he goes to the bank, and he's able to exchange his money, and he says, this is still good, isn't it? He's like, well, yeah, I mean, I can still exchange it. And I'm like, can you? you you're telling me that... Yeah. 
pounds from 1980, sorry, 1897 could still be exchanged in 1979. Definitely. Really? Hell yeah. <laughs> you can just go and exchange I worked it. At a, I, my first job was at a movie theater and kids used to come in with like their dad's coin collection, you can tell, to like <laughs> buy a movie. And, like, this is uh, like a silver dollar. Do you guys take it? I'll be like, yep. <laughs> it's one dollar. <laughs> and then put my own dollar in it now i have a sweet coin collection <laughs> they have it all the time like of course like it's it's i mean for collectors which they bring up it's worth a lot more like a lot lot more but you know if it's just currency it's currency that, I don't think it's out of the question that's true because well, this is the thing like i don't think like the, the the british money he has on him right now i don't think would be accepted any like in a store now in the uk right so the idea that you can exchange it for dollars in a different country feels even weirder to me because it's like well no one would accept that in a in a shop but that wouldn't be you know legal tender i mean maybe you could still exchange it i don't know i've never had to exchange money <laughs> yeah like this i've never, I've never had old money I mean, that maybe I, cause, I mean you're losing money by doing it so and banks like that so. <laughs> oh sure <laughs> um yeah, I guess. I don't know. It just it, it struck me as weird. Maybe this is a normal thing. Maybe you can, if you find old money lying around, you can exchange it to your heart's content. Obviously, you have to go to the bank to do it. No one else is going to take it. I mean, yeah. At a certain point, I imagine you would have to just go to a collector. Yeah. But well, you would have to anyway, because otherwise you're just losing, well, throwing money away. That, that's what I was expecting for the guy to tell him in the bank. I was expecting him to say, oh, we can't take that anymore, but it's actually worth a lot to collectors. You just have to go to a collector and exchange it. Right. But if it's... If it's still the same pounds or shillings or whatever at the time <laughs> and it says one pound on it, then wouldn't that still equate to one pound? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Like, um, For example... that's what he says. He's like, look, you've got $25 here and we can give you $25 because that's what it, your money says it's worth with the exchange rate well for, but for, for, for example you can go to a collector and get you, a lot more yeah but you said shillings there shillings don't exist and have not existed since way before i was born right shillings are not a thing in the uk well i don't know i so that i've heard in movies and tv before i, I don't really know what no, 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 but that's, that's my point is though is that shillings at one time were a part of uk's the uk's currency and they don't mm -hmm. they aren't anymore i have no idea how much a shilling is or how many shillings make a pound so i'm like like if i found some shillings like... well obviously it's five jim jams make a shilling and then <laughs> i don't know what a shilling is I don't and even... then the four pedro pascals make a pound I... Uh... <laughs> I think my parents when they were kids had shillings but that was like obviously a, a long time ago now anyway that's 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 that's, that's shift that's shift uh, back to the, the plot at hand, which is H.G. Wells coming to 1979 and he lands not in the same place where he, like, physically in the planet, like like in the time machine. He goes to where the time machine is in present day. So there's a H.G. Wells display on a museum in San Francisco. So he appears in San Francisco. I did like the, the subtle touch, though, where he, he noticed that his clock's eight hours different from the, or his watch is eight hours different from the clock. And then when he gets outside and he finally realizes he's in San Francisco, he's like, ah, eight hours difference. That's why. Um, mm. And I was like, ah, that's kind of I like that too. That's kind of smart. I don't understand why the time machine moved. <laughs> Does the time machine only appear 
in places that it is in the future? And if that's the case, can he not go back in time then? Because the time machine didn't exist before then. It, well, he clearly goes where the time machine is, is in the future, levels? but he he does yes he does it does snap back to <laughs> to where it was. Yes, uh, look, it's not. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I admit, I, I don't have answers for you. Don't don't come to me looking for answers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, I mean, does there have to be an HG Wells display in like the year ten thousand seventy-three, or in order for him to appear there too? Well, in in theory, if anyone ever dismantles it, then he can't go past that point because right. it won't exist anymore. But luckily, because he's this oh, famous figure, primordials. Yes, because he's famous. It's not a primary shop. <laughs> because, it's <just> like primary. <laughs> but because he's a famous figure, luckily they like to put it in display around the country and probably around the entire planet. I imagine, so uh, it gets to. Uh, he's hey, he's lucky that he didn't end up in a ship. It was like shipping across the Atlantic to like the next country it's going to, and like oh shit, we're stuck yeah. in a boat with Jack the Ripper. Hey, that could be fun actually. Maybe that'd have been a better movie, but <laughs> <laughs> but he realizes in San Francisco because uh, he sees it in the paper because no one no one wants to answer him. He keeps trying to ask people. He's like, excuse me, could you tell me what city I'm in? Like, no, he's so cute and so polite, <laughs> and he's in his little outfit. <laughs> Pardon me, ma'am. Everyone's such an asshole to him. Pardon me, ma'am. Could you tell me what city I am in? <laughs> Excuse me. Do you have any Grey Poupon? <laughs> and uh, so he realizes where he is, and we get, he goes to the bank to exchange his money. Only gets $25, which probably sounds like a lot to him, but even in 1979, I'm like, $25 is nothing. <laughs> like, that will not last long. He, and he goes to McDonald's, which... I mean, it felt like needless product placement right at first, because he's he's like he's like enamored with the french fries and he's like stroking the table yeah he's stroking the table um however i'm going to give it a pass because the joke that it it, that calls back to it later was worth it because he's out out for lunch with the the love interest amy and he's like oh this is much better than that scottish place i went to uh, for breakfast and i didn't get the joke at first until she's like scottish place she's trying to think he's like scottish place and she's trying to think if she knows the place she's like scottish place in san francisco and he's like uh McDougal's and I'm like oh he means McDonald's <laughs> yeah it was a good joke that's pretty funny <laughs> I agree uh, good payoff that, that, that was a quality joke although I do love that if McDonald's did pay for product placement I do love that he goes to a proper restaurant later and says this is much better than that shitty place <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> got their money's worth of that that product deal <laughs> oh dear uh, so <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of like him like just marveling at cars he almost gets hit obviously and uh he eventually he tries to uh get some jewelry pawned off uh, well not, not a pawn shop because that's where he goes eventually because uh, he, he can't do it at the actual jewelers because he needs id and uh the guy you know just i'm sorry i can't do this unless you have id i can't i can't give you you know i can't pay you for these right. this is one of those parts where he says it would take at least a week to 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 get this approved before I can give you a check or something, and he's like, "I don't have a week." Like, yes, you do. Just go in the time <laughs> machine. You can literally just skip the week and come back. Yep. <laughs> and, then, and not only that, you can skip the week, get the check, and if you're worried about Jack the Ripper killing people, just come back the week again. Just come back to the you know an hour after you left. Done deal. <sighs> silly, silly man. 
That oh, to be fair, to be fair, I'd have to go back and check the dates, but it did say on the HG Wells uh, exhibit that it was only here for like this date till this date. There's a chance that this week might have the the, the time machine might oh. have moved to like it's on tour it, it, it's, it's in texas now shit i'm like i'm, I'm thousands of miles away now damn it <laughs> still don't have my money <laughs> oh dear um uh, also i love oh, i need to call this bit out i love that when he gets out of the uh, time machine and his glasses are, are broken he finds a, a replacement pair like in the display that they've got his desk and he and because he knows where he kept them in his real life he checks this drawer and there's like a, a, a pair of glasses so he puts his broken ones in and takes out the other ones i like that how when these people were doing this display they went to the authentic level of actually getting the right prescription for his lenses that, that, i love that part mm-hmm. <laughs> Shh. don't think about it <laughs> unless they're trying to say that this is literally the glasses from then but if i feel like if they were they'd be in like a glass case so they don't get like you know can, you know not contaminated and they would be broken unless they were a new pair yeah because because if you just leave things out they will corrode and you know and whatever over time so uh but these are just yeah. in the drawer so they must just be a replicate replicated version but whatever <laughs> whatever uh, <laughs> it's cute. it was a cute moment yeah 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 it's a laugh so so he goes to like a, a cd pawn shop where the guy will give him like much less than they're worth because he gives him like 400 dollars when it's maybe like you know, because the, the jewelers were like, "Hey, I can't give you top dollar, but they're worth maybe six, seven thousand. I can give you four. So he was going to get four grand at a different place. Uh, but they see the little pawn shop, like him four hundred. But he only had twenty five before, so I mean, he's he's up. You know, he's mm-hmm. <laughs> he can do whatever. That's true. And I like these little details again, like the, you know, he doesn't have ID. And of course, that would be a problem in the future if you don't have ID or like mm-hmm. trying to to buy something and. You know, these little little details that come up that I think other shows or films would have skipped. Yeah. Of course, there's some big ones, too, that they just kind of wave past. And you're like, whatever. <laughs> so he's got his money and he can go and do stuff. Although he spends a night in the bench first. He's actually he spends a night as a homeless person, unfortunately. Uh, poor, poor HG. Um, can't, can't have much about it. But he does eventually get to the bank. because he, he, So basically, once he realizes that, hey, Jack the Ripper would have had to have done this, too, at the bank. So... He then goes to every bank and it he doesn't find him in the first he doesn't find the right one the first day because he's going in and out of multiple banks and he eventually gets to the bank of uh London or whatever it said outside because when he sees it you just hear dun 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 surprised Mary Poppins didn't show up also. Oh dear. Um it is annoying how how England and Britain as a whole are kind of merged in the minds of foreigners because that that tune has nothing to do with Scotland. I'm it's no part of it. Do not let uh, me. Do you have it. the Queen on your money? Um, no, actually. Oh, I mean, it's. Never I mean, mind. you do get English notes here that are legal, and they have the Queen in the money, but all the Scottish notes don't. Hmm. Okay, never we, mind. We have Robert Burns. We have uh, other people. William Wallace. You may be on one. I don't know. I'd have to check. Oh. I, I'd have to actually check who, who's on all that. I'll be honest, I couldn't name you most of their faces. I don't, I don't know who it is. I know which one Robert Burns are they, is. Those are very easy to remember. Yeah, they're all presidents, right? No. Oh, they're all presidents. Okay. Benjamin Franklin was not a president. and He's on the $100 bill. What was he? All about the Benjamins, baby. 
Well, well, who, okay, what, well, who was Benjamin Franklin then in the context here then? I mean, he was still part of like the country finding independence, but he was never president. Okay. Yes. Uh, and John Hancock. I think he's still considered a founding father, just not yes. a president. But John Hancock was the first one to sign the declaration, which is why your expression is put down your John Hancock. I don't think he was the first. I think he just had like the most flourishy okay. All right. <laughs> signature on there. Okay. Fair enough. Well, maybe he was the first. I don't know. I thought that, a very good patriot. Yeah, I thought that's what the trivia was, but I mean, I just, you know. Yeah, maybe it was the first. Yeah. Uh, so he eventually finds it, and this is where he runs into Amy, who was the, the clerk who dealt with, uh, with Jack the Ripper. And he's like, hey, was there anyone here like me, British, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, there was, in fact. He had a big money belt, and he was, you know, he was, he was here, and yada, yada, yada. But she's like, hey, and he does this weird thing where he's, like, surprised. Wait, okay, so can I talk to someone? And she's like, like, whoever dealt with this? And he's like, yeah, you're looking at him. I dealt with him. He's like, but surely there must be a gentleman that I can speak to. <laughs> and, you know, it's this kind of awkward moment. And then he sort of realizes, and he's like, oh, I mean, for, for the record, I, I, I was all for the, uh, the women's, uh, uh, what was what he said? Liberation. Liberation, thank you. Um, he's like, oh, what changed your mind? You know, so she's kind of like playing games <laughs> with him. She's, she's always kind of joking with him, though. It never comes across as like like actual, you know, like she's like ready to fight him like for what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a little flirty. A little flirty, a little playful. Um, and I'm so used to uh, Steenbergen as a sort of middle-aged woman, at the very least, that it was kind of weird seeing her in this kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. mid-late 20s. Super young. Yeah. So smooth. Yeah. Um, and she kind of gives him her number says hey if you want to come by anytime or <laughs> need, need any help yeah she's like I know the city um, you know if you need a tour or anything he's like oh very well <laughs> very well um, but I mean he's so cute and like so proper and so I don't know he's just a, he's adorable <laughs> Which is I co- totally get it the complete opposite of his character in A Clockwork Orange <laughs> uh, yeah complete opposite <laughs> so she tells him that she recommended a hotel for uh, old Jack and he's like thank you very much he goes off to this hotel and he pretends to be room service he does an American accent for a second he's like uh, your breakfast sir <laughs> so Jack the Ripper comes up and he's opening the door he's got a new suit he's, he's, he's got a modern suit because he can't refuse breakfast no well he's, he's still hungry Jack the Ripper got to eat yeah. I mean even if he didn't order it He's like, well, I'm not going to turn away free breakfast. See, I will actually justify that in this case because he, he's not used to hotels, modern hotels. So maybe he doesn't realize that you have to order it. Mm, maybe. You know, I can buy that. that he's, that he's all confused, all hesitant, sure. But I buy that he maybe thinks and he said, oh, maybe the, everyone gets breakfast by default kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I could, I could see that. that. That flies a little bit. But he opens the door and uh, HD's there and... He's like, oh, I followed you. And this is where they have the conversation because he puts on the TV and shows him all these violent images. Like, see, there's the war going on and all that. Because uh, that was one of the things yeah. that we didn't mention uh, is the jeweler had like a number on his arm from a concentration camp. Uh, so small little dark moment there. But then um, he even brings up the war and he's like, yeah, World War Two, And he's like, World War Two, Like a second one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because uh, it came back later because he, he was when he was with Amy later, and she mentions that she was yeah. at an anti-war protest. Oh, he's, he's like, oh, the Second World War. He's like, no, how old do you think I am? Oh, the third one. Yes. <laughs> the third one. Vietnam, silly. <laughs> yeah, I, this is a scene I really like though. This is the he was talking beforehand the last time he saw Jack the Ripper about how the future. He's ex- how excited HG was to see the future because of this utopia that we are bound, humans are bound to achieve one day. And instead, he just turned, Jack the Ripper turns the TV on and it's just nothing but violence, like mm. violence and war and uh, all around the w- world. You see the news from other places and people are bleeding from their face. And then he even goes to like cartoons and they're exploding um, cartoons and stuff for kids like yeah. have the violence I'm like yeah it's a pretty decent point <laughs> <laughs> he said uh he has a really good line about how like 90 years ago i was a monster but here i'm considered an amateur like ooh, that's dark yeah that's pretty dark uh, so we have this great chase because uh, he's going to try and kill uh, HG. He wants his key so that he can travel to any area he wants and kill people in all different types of areas and so on and so on. And HG puts up a fight. Luckily, uh, the, the you know one of the the maids or whatever like comes in and uh, it scares Jack off. And I actually kind of laughed a little bit. It was a bit awkward acting here when David Warner's running out the room. He kind of flips over the cleaning lady's trolley, but it looks so it looks so unnecessary. <laughs> he just kind of does it because oh, it's here to flip. I'll flip he it. He's <laughs> cleaning ladies. <laughs> so if you were a prostitute, uh, but you're not, so I'm just going to push your cart over. <laughs> but he gets uh, he gets uh, a pretty cool little chasing here. I liked how they used some of the bridges because there's like two bridges, kind of like you know, mm-hmm. sort of like different parts of the street, and they're all, both in different ones. So it, it was yeah, nice... and you get the two glass elevators as well, where they're like looking at each other through the elevator. Yeah, there's some good geography here in the, the chase sequence, which I like. Yeah. Um, this scene ends when Jack uh, gets hit by a car, and there's like a crowd forms around him, and you know, he's trying to get to the front, but the the ambulance comes and takes him to the hospital. And when he gets to the hospital to to find out, you know, where, you know, to his, you know, if he's all right or whatever, uh, the nurse there tells him that the person who was brought in has died. Um, he went into shock and died. So he kind of foolishly assumes then that okay, well, Jack's dead. Um, I can, you know. Well, he he tries to see the body, but he does the try. nurse is like, "Are you a family member?" And he's a no. Uh, he has no family. He's like, "Sorry, you can't just see a dead body." Like. Yeah, we don't allow that here. So he just kind of like I mean, he makes the attempt. He makes the attempt. He, he does at least try and confirm it, but he can't. So he just kind of has to accept it. And he kind of kind of stumbles past like uh, Amy's bank again, and she sees him, and it's like, oh, I'll go out and you know go for lunch with him. I'll, I'll take an early day and <laughs> go and have lunch with this weird British man. And this is where the, the movie's like tone shift kind of happens because it was kind of funny before this because there was a lot of fish out of water stuff but from here the next like half hour 40 minutes is nothing but the romance it's the comedy and the romance Mm -hmm. and that's all it is there's like one or two little teases in the background to oh there's there's been a murder or something but other than that it's just them dating uh they go up to the uh you know the revolving restaurant up top and Mm -hmm. they're you know talking this is where we get the, the mcdonald's joke and she also has a couple of weird lines that have dated really badly in this scene um, where I thought it was weird how at first she's saying, oh, I'm all flustered because, you know, it's been a while since I've met someone who turns me on. And I thought, that's a bit forward, just saying that. 
but okay whatever yeah. whatever um and then then she says you know i've not met anyone who's turned me on recently i've not met any man who's turned me on recently or woman and then she sort of realizes what she's saying goes like oh not that i'm a dyke and i'm like whoa 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 and then he's like dyke and she's like yeah dyke, lesbian like okay <laughs> language is a bit weird too you would never put that in a movie now um Sure. I mean, I don't know if there was like a point where it becomes more derogatory than it was back then, but yeah, yeah. obviously, because right now it's like a bit. Well. <laughs> but it also stuck out to me because earlier on in the movie, when she's talking to her friend after, uh, I, I, it's either just before she meets him again or just after he's left, uh, her friend at the bank um, says, "Oh, why are you into him?" And she says something like, "Well, you know, I don't. Th- at least he's not gay." Like there was another line that was like, and. I took that at the time just to mean, oh, because like, she's met a gay guy and it's been disappointing because like she was into him. But like, Well, I think it's also San Francisco that was kind of like sure. the gay mecca. It was, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Milk and all time. that. Um, but like, I just, um, like, but, but when that line came up later, I was like, oh God, it's, it's almost like, like they're building a pattern with her dialogue here. This makes me start to think she's a bit homophobic. And it, yeah, uh, but it is San Francisco. Like it might just have been something that people talked about more I get that in that area at the time. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, so not not her last weird line, might I add. Oh, we'll get to the other one soon. She is very, yeah, she's very forward, and she's very, like, mm. uh, yeah, she says she says turns me on or something more than once to describe like she it gets excited about something, and it's just used so casually, which I think is is done on purpose to coincide with what hg had said earlier about writing about free love mm. and he brings that concept back up again too like oh i wrote a paper on free love which i guess is more of a 60s thing so maybe that's kind of a dated element in the 70s or almost 80s at this point yeah she even says but, that um, she says she's not heard that term since she was in eighth grade so right and he thought he was being like real progressive but <laughs> at this point it's not anymore no it's ancient now no, no it's <laughs> almost she's so, archaic she's very crude and I think he's kind of put off, but also excited about it. The concept. I actually really like their chemistry. Yeah, the chemistry's okay. Uh, I, I think um, she's kind of an interesting character, or a weird character, even in that she has this forward. But at the same time, I almost feel like she al- she also plays it as kind of this nervous person a, a lot of the time as well. There's kind of a, almost like a uh uh what's the word I'm looking for uh when two things don't quite jive uh. A clash. There's a clash almost of like the, the nervous personality that she seems to have a lot of the time. But then there's these moments of like being really forward and really confident, um, which I'm not saying mm, doesn't. I don't work. know. I've met people like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it is kind of interesting for a movie character. I feel like very rarely do you get like those two kind of different things kind of you know coming together like that. I think she's adorable in the film. <laughs> I like her. I like. She seems like a very real person mm. to me. Like just somebody who's trying to make it on her own and <clears throat> has a job that's mostly it's usually you know male dominated i guess because she's kind of yeah. having to always justify why she's there as a woman although this this, and, this is definitely a job that's changed over time though because I, I would never in a million years think of this as a male specific job that she's got in this movie well she probably has some kind of manager role because isn't he asking to speak to like uh, somebody else, like a manager who's in charge of this no, kind of a manager. thing? And she says, Actually, that's me. Yeah, he's, 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 no, I'm the one in charge of this. He doesn't yeah. ask for a manager. He just doesn't believe at first that she'd be the one 
with that authority to exchange money. He doesn't actually ask for mm-hmm. anyone higher up. He just doesn't think that she would be allowed to do that. I would never even think that this is... And I guess it's just how times have changed. And so many... I, I, I guess... Because there's, there's still professions you associate with specific genders. There definitely is. Um, oh, sure. But I don't think working in a bank is one of them. Um, mm. But maybe that's just me. Or maybe it's just the banks that I've been in. I don't know. So then they go to the movies and he's scared of the movies, hiding behind the seats because gunshots and things. Yeah. And she's like, it's just a movie. Um, There was a weird thing when they came out of the theatre that the the marquee said Psycho 4. And I thought... Exorcist. Oh, sorry, Exorcist 4, you're right. And I thought that was kind of weird because there hadn't been any sequels to The Exorcist yet. I think maybe the second one was about to come out when this movie was getting made, so... It was almost like a joke you'd do if it was set in the future, like you know, like yeah, like yeah, Back to the Future Two. About that too. Yeah, you know how Back to the Future Two has the Jaws nineteen or whatever it is, or um, yeah. you know, those those jokes like that. Um, that so that's, that's just like a weird thing for me. Like, what, what's the joke here that there were there's an Exorcist Four playing? Yeah, I don't know. Um, because I mean, there technically is an Exorcist Four now, but I mean, it didn't come until you know, like two thousand six or whatever it was, like. And it wasn't called that. It was called. Maybe Exorcist. the marquee like wraps around, and we didn't see <laughs> what the first word was. I don't know. Maybe it's like Night of the Living Dead Four. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, Night of the Living Exorcist Four. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but um, and then she's like, "Oh, you've got plans," and he's like, "No, okay, I'm gonna make dinner for you." So she takes him to his place uh make some place, yeah make some some dinner well he doesn't have a place so definitely it's her place <laughs> but you said his place oh did i sorry oh i didn't mean to for slip it was a slip um to her Actually place just letting slide but i'm um, not in that kind of mood today so i can tell so <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. so so she makes dinner he's he's baffled by the phone and the microwave again there's more fish out of water stuff i think it's maybe at this point in the movie where the fish out of water stuff was starting to be a little overdone but i'm like okay we've had a lot of it at this point maybe you could start slowing down on this stuff now um well i mean they're about to like go full romance so it's not quite over yet well i know but i'm saying it probably should slow down like in terms of the the jokes about him like not understanding things um hmm. you know just, just and, and not 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 because it's not realistic that he's still be oohing and at things but just from a movie perspective like okay we okay we've done the jokes a lot now we, we can maybe slow down a little bit they're kissing on the couch and he gets really nervous he gets a bit nervous and says look i want i want to make sure that i'm not you know you don't, you don't feel like i'm forcing myself on you or and i am you know being a gentleman and, and whatever he says i don't remember how he phrases it but he's you know he's, he's being gentlemanly right even though she's the one who's... yeah it's clear they're about to have sex yeah she, so she, she's she, starting to be like ah this is a lot and she 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 she's the one who started the kissing she's initiated everything but he being a gentleman is like hey, i want to make sure you're not feeling in any way uh pressured into this and she says and i quote i'm practically raping you and then keeps kissing him as he says well i'm quite right and then they just keep kissing what <laughs> i don't really find this problematic at all <laughs> it made me do a double take okay i was not expecting this line and i went whoa <laughs> they would not put that in because this is essentially i mean i don't think it's actually pg-13 because pg-13 didn't exist but this would be pg-13 right if it was made now uh, at this mm-hmm. level i don't think in a pg-13 you would slip that line of dialogue in there probably not but like i don't think it's i don't think it's that bad okay so moving on uh, 
<laughs> moving on um i have no idea uh exactly where I, I cut that previous part but let's just say there was a whole interruption and we had to stop for a bit um but we we have them together they wake up in bed and this is when he hears in the news that there's been like a, a second murder the killer's struck there again there's been another murder there's been a murder <laughs> <laughs> It's the Ripper. He struck again. Now, by the Squirrel Girl. By the Squirrel Girl. Now there's it, been a murder. Just by Squirrel Girl. There's <laughs> been a murder. I can't. I can't murder. I can't do it. Muckduck. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to do that accent you're doing. I can't. I can't. I can't even attempt to do it. Mm, Kentucky. Yeah, I can't do it. I can maybe do. Uh, <laughs> Have some change of filthy animal. What accent's that? What accent's the the bad a guy? A made up movie accent. Yeah, the made up movie accent from Home Alone. What's what's that? Mm, that might I don't know. It's kind of like old Rat Pack sounded. Yeah, I think I like so... that accent just because I love the, the I love yelling you dumb broad. Now, obviously, I would never it's gotta uh, be like Brooklyn or something. Insult a lady by saying you dumb broad. I just really like the phrase. So any any place I can fit it in, <laughs> I'm more than happy to. It's kind of like when I yell at Tim, uh, shut your whore mouth. I just like saying it to Tim. <laughs> yeah. I love saying you it to Tim. You can use it on Connor. <laughs> Not on me. Noted. I'll use it on Connor. So, I, you know, we've had to stop and start a lot throughout this review, and I am now dreading the edit of it. So, um, I, want I don't know to- how long this is going to be either. Was at least two. Is this like a two-hour episode or a like hour episode? <laughs> there's, well, there's two chunks that are bonus bits for sure. So that's that. But anyway, so they know there's been a murder, and he kind of like says he's hunting this guy, the guy he was looking for. He doesn't tell he's from the, the past yet. He doesn't t- say he's time traveled yet. But she thinks he's a detective, and he's like, she's like, go to the police, like tell them. He's like, they won't believe me. And obviously they won't. And, you know, she kind of makes him do it eventually. And the weird thing is, is that they do just think he's an idiot. And he thinks he's being smart, calling himself Sherlock Holmes, but that's immediately the point when the detectives are just like, uh-huh. Well, I mean, he's been to, you know, his his new lady friend's place, and she only has, like, cosmopolitan magazines, and nobody reads books anymore. And I guess maybe he thought that didn't quite cross the pond. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah it, it, actually it's funny because it's kind of the flip of what i expect to see because uh there was a time travel series on hulu a few years ago uh with james franco based on a stephen king thing it was a uh, 11 22 63 mm, yeah the, it was about going back in time to just before gfk uh was shot uh, i think that was the right day if it's the, if that's the wrong date then it's the day he was shot um and one of the fun things in that was is that when at one point when he had to fake a backstory, he just gave the backstory to the Godfather. <laughs> but obviously, no one had seen the movie. It was before the movie came out, and before even anyone had read the book, so no one knew he was he was making all this up. So this reminded me of that, but it was like a failed attempt because it was the opposite. Everyone knows Sherlock Holmes because yeah. now he's like a cultural icon. Everyone knows Sherlock Holmes is. Um, so. Right. That just made me laugh because it was kind of the, the flip, flippity flop. There's a great scene where Jack the Ripper comes back to the bank. He has to exchange more money. And now now Amy knows who he is. Maybe not Jack the Ripper, literally, but knows he's dangerous, knows he's a killer. And she calls calls HG, who, you know, doesn't quite understand the phone, but he he's able to figure it out <laughs> uh, for the most part. And 
she tells him he's there and that he's been there before and she'll try and stall until he gets there and it's a, and I, I thought this was actually kind of smart in the writing because you know she says to him oh how was the hotel that i recommended and she's and he's like oh it was just fine and then he just kind of realizes that the only way that he could have found him at the hotel is if he'd gotten it from her because she was the only one who knew where he'd went mm-hmm. and it, it, the entire tone of the scene just completely changes i kind of like that little that little touch yeah like, i did too it was smart yeah it wasn't like she gave something away that he couldn't have figured out eventually on his own anyway it just like gave him the idea of it you yeah. know, she was just trying to make conversation. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a fair thing she would ask. If you, if you were someone who worked here and you'd, you'd given a tourist a hotel recommendation and they came back, you'd ask them, oh, how's the hotel treating you? You know, like, it's a normal bit of small talk. And mm-hmm. sure enough, um, uh, he, he he susses this out. He looks her up in the phone book. He's, he's figured that much out. <laughs> he knows how to look up a phone book. Um, this is something that's came and went. Now the phone book in a phone booth is, like, a relic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know. Well, we got a couple of good movies that use it. You're thinking of Terminator, aren't you? Yes, I am. <laughs> Just like every day. Yeah, Sarah Connor. <laughs> uh, so uh, he leaves a note at the place, um, and HG's back with her. He also he, there's a scene somewhere in the middle of all this where she's driving and he's kind of like paying attention. He's like, "Oh, so this foot goes down and that accelerates, and that foot." slows you down <laughs> like he's mm-hmm. you know he's like he's like analyzing and again it's all kind of seeding later that he'll try driving himself and kind of you know uh mostly pull it off it, it does crash into the, the front of the garage first but <laughs> he does, it he, takes some practice yeah it takes a little bit if anything he actually is a little too good at it too quickly but you know whatever movie well at least it's an automatic i looked there's no stick shift Good to know. There's no way he would have been able to figure that out. So yeah, he, he, so he does that a bit later. He, he does a bit of driving, but uh, he gets back. There's a note saying, "You'll give me the key to the time machine, or I'll kill her." I know she lives. You know, it's like the threat is clear. And after this, he has to try and tell her where he's from, and she thinks he's crazy, and she's ready to storm off and say, "Never come speak to me again. I'm not having this." And he's like, "Hey, you you promised that you would try and believe me." Like, you know, because the day before when she says, oh, tell me the truth, he's like, oh, I can't, you won't believe me. And she, she said she would. And she's like storming off here and she's like, okay, fine. You can have a chance to prove it. Um, So they sneak into the museum where the time machine is and go into the time machine and he's like, okay, let's just go somewhere, you know, quick, uh, five days out of the future, whatever it is, we'll go to Saturday. And they get out and she thinks nothing's happened because they're just still in the museum, right? Same time of day. You know, it's as if mm-hmm. nothing, nothing. They didn't go beyond Jupiter or anything. It was just a, no. a split second. But there was like a, there was one bit of the effect just at the side of the, the screen. Yeah, there was just a little bit of it. Just one little boop. Yeah, but uh, they come, they come out, and there's a, there's a newspaper, and she goes to read it, and not only is it a newspaper from Saturday, you know, clearly showing they're in the future, it's about her death. It says, you know, fifth victim found, and it's her photograph, and you know, all that stuff. So. Uh, really good stuff. And Tara, can you please move that camera? <laughs> Thank I'm you. trying. <laughs> I don't know what triggers it. There you go. It, it, it does fix those. So for some reason, there's just very specific spots where it will stop doing that stupid weight balance auto thing. Um, and for the record, anyone who's going to say to try turning it off, we did Tara's weird tablet computer hybrid thing. Won't let her do it. It's annoying as shit. I know. It has very different settings. It's very and frustrating. Automatic, so that you don't fuck with it so you don't mess around with the options 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's late. I have to edit so much of this already, I'm not going to bother editing that out. But, <laughs> <laughs> consider us a warning, young lady. Don't fire me. <laughs> Wouldn't dream of it. Wouldn't dream of it. Connors is going to be long gone before you are. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I know. Don't, don't worry. Connors at the, I'm the best. bottom of the, uh, the ladder and always will be. Always will be. Um, so actually, just a male side note, I've actually got an, an Ace shirt on the way and I was hoping it'd be here today so I could wear it for this review, but unfortunately it's not. So uh-uh. hopefully next time I'll, I'll wear my Ace shirt. should get one of those. Should, or a hat or a cup. You can get a variety of Ace labeled things you could have on screen. I forgot we have a store. Oh, Joey, you can get, you can get like a, a cushion uh, cover, like a pillow cover. If you go for like a square pillow. Anyway, before that little side tangent, and I'm not cutting that one out. That one's fine. Go, go, you can go buy merchandise over at the Spreadshirt stores. The description's in the link, people. Um, get yourself a nice shirt. Um, but yeah, so she's scared, and it's like, hey, we, we can go back though. We have time. We can go back to before, and we know that there's two more victims before you, so we can try and and get to get to them first. We can catch them first. We know we know we know the future, and I, I think this is where her character does fall apart a little bit for me. Because when we get to, because they have this thing where they have a smart plan where they're going to go and get him at the nightclub, but they know they know he's getting his, his next victim, right? And mm-hmm. they don't get they get a flat tire, so they can't get there in time. So he does get his victim, and it's you know whatever. Um, and you know it, it's it's a lot still it's where it starts to become a thriller a little bit again. It's not super great from a thriller perspective, but it's okay. You know when you, you get a close up of the blade and it's just you see the blood sort of like spray onto his face. It's not like super graphic, but it's it's got a little bit of an edge. Yeah, he gets the the teardrop. Yeah, the red teardrop. Yeah, uh, it's good stuff. But uh, after that though, she is really scared and weepy and just scared to leave the house. In HD, all movies been very anti-guns, and he's going to go buy a gun at the pawn shop just so he can protect her. And the natural thing here is that the police, because he was able to predict a murder, uh, the police come after him thinking he's the killer. And mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't make it back in time. So she's left on her own, and she just sleeps until it's like time for her, like, her murder. And she wakes up, and she's kind of crying. She oh. takes a Valium yeah. to fall asleep, because she thinks she's going to be protected. And he's not able to get to her because he gets arrested instead. And because she's knocked out, yeah, she sleeps like right up until the point where Jack the Ripper shows up at her door. And there's a big fake out where we think she's dead. Oh, I didn't really think she was dead, but the, you know, the movie wants you to think she's dead. There's uh, so much tomato soup in that apartment. Yeah, because the police come into the apartment because they eventually listen to him enough to go and check the apartment. And there's like a foot and a hand just lying there and there's like blood all over the walls. And it, and they're like, oh, we're really sorry. We're really sorry, sir. But you're free to go because clearly you didn't do it because <laughs> you were here. <laughs> yeah, so, even though you confessed to everything. Yes, even though you confessed to everything. Even though we can't... Uh, identify you even though there's a bunch of reasons why we could hold you for a while because you're this weird guy who has no record of being here um Mm -hmm. but you know um maybe it was easier going in the 70s but these days in the u.s uh when someone who is not american is found and they have no documentation to prove why they're there they're allowed to be there they get kind of testy about it Uh (laughs) yeah 70s were different yeah um Maybe it's easier on really posh British men. I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't get as uh, harassed as much for it. But um, I'm making some political commentary here, uh, thinly veiled. Um, it could be true. 
Yeah. I mean, you used to be able to cross the Canadian border all the time in at that time without oh, like passport and such. Oh yeah, I, I literally read a story a few weeks ago about a Canadian family who literally took a wrong turn and accidentally crossed the border and were are getting like fined heavily for it or getting jail time or something. Like they have to get a lawyer in to help them and like like they took a wrong turn. There was no sign. <laughs> <laughs> yep. oh dear anyway <laughs> trying to get to our great country and escape the tyranny of justin trudeau <laughs> you know we have this big thing where he's kind of just moping around on his own and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you know amy shows up and ripper's got got his uh, knife to her throat he's like yes and she's like oh i forgot my friend from the bank was coming over to visit so the, the implication being that she's the one who that was that was the body part she was the one mm-hmm. who was killed and she's been amy's been kept for leverage and they go to the time machine it's a good fake out. i didn't i didn't remember that part so it's an okay because i actually thought it was hallucinating see when she looks she was like standing in the distance saying something i was like oh is he yeah, like hallucinating? It was very ethereal yeah. yeah but now she's there and the way she was talking they go to the time machine and there's a bit of a standoff. It's kind of weird how he, d- he does just kind of let her go when he's getting into the time machine. It does not like, you know, there was, I, thought, I was expecting more of a fight. But basically, one of the plot things that was set up earlier is that there's like a thing in the machine that if you pull it out, it'll like vaporize the person inside it, <laughs> which seems like a really weird design choice. It's really easy to pull out. Yeah. Uh, but he, he runs up and pulls it out when he's in there on his own and they're left together and it's like okay well I have to go back I can't stay in this time and she doesn't want to go back because you know her work means everything to her but at the very last minute says no wait, no, wait for me I'm coming with you because she's in love with him uh, which mm-hmm. I thought was a weird choice for a character given how sort of like independent she was the whole movie and her, her life was important to her and she gave it all mm-hmm. up at the end uh, just out of love for this one dude Um well, I mean, her apartment is probably hard to go back to now. <laughs> true, true. Also, I have to imagine that her work's probably pissed at her for missing like five days. Well, it wasn't five days because she was killed somewhere in that five-day period. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she was mistaken for that girl, so maybe everyone thinks she's dead anyway. True, 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 true. I will say I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see her arriving in 1897. I thought it was weird how it just went to the credits immediately. Mm-hmm. They just sort of vanish and we get like a little card saying, oh, H.G. Wells died in this year and, you know, his wife died in this year and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He wrote about all the things like the women's liberation and great wars and all these things that he predicted, space travel or space flight. So kind of linking the whole, maybe he knew so much about the future because he went there. I thought it was kind of cute. To quote one of the words he uses in this very movie, poppycock. Poppycock. <laughs> I like uh, I like the ending. I thought the ending was kind of sweet. And yeah, she didn't want to go back there because she's a modern day woman. What would she do back at that time? But maybe she does, you know, do something. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I do like the idea that she does have a thing for time travelers and that Doc Brown. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because let's face it, Doc Brown's a superior uh, match. I think. Mm, I don't know. He's a lot. <laughs> and McDowell in this film is so cute. He's just like the epitome of adorable man. <laughs> I think Christopher Lloyd's adorable. <laughs> 
he's he's likable. <laughs> he he's much more dangerous. Like I have different tastes in time travels, apparently, than Tara does. But I I, I would say Christopher Lloyd's a better catch. Mm. To to actually just comparing the time machines to quote uh, Doc Brown, if you're going to build a time machine, why not do it in style? I do like the train. Oh, the train's good. Yeah, yeah. And the DeLorean's cool. I mean, I think a, an actual real world DeLorean from the time period looks boring as shit because I'm so used to having all the stuff in the back. It's it's not that cool. It's kind of small. It's smaller than you think. Oh yeah, I, I get why it wasn't really a practical car that kind of survived. Uh, you know. The time, like it's such a, yeah, it's such a weird time, like car of its time, and now it's only known for one thing. Hey, there's plenty of room in the Ecto One. <laughs> you can you can stretch your legs back there. It's not a time machine. No, but it's a cool movie car. <laughs> hey, you don't really need a specific car I for like that. The siren. Any any type of hearse you could probably convert into an Ecto One and get away with it. You don't need the specific you know model. I don't think. That's true. Uh, whereas a DeLorean, you need a DeLorean. You can't just, you know. Um, I've always been a fan of the uh, the '60s television version of the Batmobile, with the red detailing. Okay. And the fire in the back. I'm it's more... a car that's enormous, also. <laughs> I, I think back I'm... when cars were the size of houses. Obviously, it's not uh, real, but I do prefer the animated series uh, Batmobile if I'm picking one. I guess you can design something a bit more interesting that way but well, you know it's I mean, what is real it's practical well yeah but to be fair though like i mean the batman movies for the most part i mean the tumbler was more of a practical like you know vehicle in the sense that it was more of a tank but the the rest of I'm them i've never fan of tumbler i think it's all right i mean what, what, what movie batmobile do you like movie batmobile yeah i don't know i am i am genuinely a fan of the 60s one okay Okay. Um, I don't know. I definitely don't like the fin. The, the one oh, with a really big fin. Forever? Batman Forever? Yeah, uh, I think that one has... Yeah. yeah. I think that was too much. I'll take it over the one from the one after that, though. I don't need it to look like a shark. Batman and Robin um, was far too bright. They had like It was like just decked out with neon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that probably the early Burton ones, then. Uh, but I, mean, I, I really do like the 60s one. Okay. I think the 60s one's just too much of a normal car for me. No, I you think know, it's a fun design. It's, it's, it's not uh, unique enough versus, like, you know... It's got the... But it's got the old future, like, disc around the back of each passenger. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking it about. It looks almost like a jet. Yeah, I know, I know what like you're talking about. like the cockpit of a jet. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I like those. <laughs> oh, dear. What an episode of weird tangents this has been. Um... So, yeah, the movie. The movie th- yeah, we should read it basically. But we're at that point for the most part. Time after time is a fine film. I think it's perfectly watchable. I think I think I say this a bit so a lot of movies, but it feels like a really good Sunday afternoon movie to put on while you're doing mm-hmm. some dishes or something. Like you know, watch it when you're you're doing some chores. It's the perfect movie for that because it is a little bit slow paced, so you can kind of take it in and sort of like do other things while you're watching it without missing much. Like you know, it's not like super like hyperkinetic with those little, little details every two minutes that you really have to pay attention to um 
but it's not like great because i think you know when i got back to the ripper stuff towards the end i was kind of finding myself wishing that they hadn't kind of like made me take this so light-hearted you know for most of the movie because like i almost wish mm -hmm. that i did feel the threat of this ripper going around and this other person from the past basically i was i mean to go back to demolition man i was kind of wanting like almost a gritty 70s demolition man like set in the 70s from these people from the past mm -hmm. and i thought that'd have been really cool and fun but um i can't really berate it too hard for not being exactly like the better version in my head that i, I can imagine because it's just it's, it's a fine fun film um i'm not surprised the tv show on cbs completely you know or abc whatever network it was like i don't know like what they were thinking trying to draw out because they did basically the whole movie's plot more or less in the first double episode um barring i think jack the ripper was still around and it was like no he's like the nemesis who's out there kind of thing uh, but it was all these, you know, young, sexy people. It was all, you know, TV crap. <laughs> <laughs> it was TV crap with no weight to it. Uh, so, Tara, what would what would you give? If you want to sum up your thoughts, what would you give uh, time after time? Well, I really, I agree. It is kind of like an afternoon watch. I think it it does sort of land in between these. It, it feels almost like an older film that like older from when it was released yeah it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it belongs in the same year as alien and mad max and stuff it feels like it's no so it almost yeah it feels like something that came out a little bit before then like it's a transitional film into the into the more modern films and it feels like a 60s sci-fi movie does, i mean i know it's set in 1979 yeah, it but it, it feels like a 60s sci-fi movie i think it does too but it has the dialogue and the, the scenes that take place in the more modern time was it, it, i don't know it doesn't seem like it's like a movie that's not in the right time also <laughs> <laughs> interestingly enough yeah but i do really enjoy watching it and i really like the love story i like i think the the concept of it is kind of bizarre but really um brilliant and i don't know i i really like this movie <laughs> That's for not. I also love the. Uh, I read that that the director kept Malcolm McDowell and um, oh, I forgot her name, Mary Mary Steeburgen. Apart, they they never met each other before. Mm. The the first time that they meet on in the scene, so that they can, can get like a real reaction from him. And they actually did fall in love, and they got married like <laughs> after they met on this movie, and like. The chemistry is real. And I did. I did. I, I, kind of sweet. I did not know that. Um, obviously, didn't yeah, they're last. married for like ten years. Obviously, didn't last though because I know it was Ted Danson's wife. So clearly, at some yeah, point, it broke down. Because uh, right, he right. married her in the nineties. Time, you know that yeah. that love, I think, was on screen. Like I really liked their chemistry. Yeah. Well, they, they, and they, they were really cute together. <laughs> the, uh, Ted Danson and her get married in the nineties, and they were still married as of one of the later seasons of Kirby Enthusiasm. I don't know if they're still married, but I, I suspect they probably are because they've been together a long time. Well, I'm glad at least one of them found love later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I think this movie is really fun. You're right. It's not great, but it's worth watching. Uh, it's I'm going to give it a 7.5. Oh, that's fair. 7.5. I, yeah, I think it's kind of Keech. Am I saying that right? Keech. 
Kitch. Kitch, yeah. Um, I think it's that, and I think if you're into like, this era of old sci-fi movies and you like that kind of feeling, I think you'll have some fun with it. I know I do. I mean, I, I like this kind of feeling of sci-fi, but it is definitely, it, this one definitely feels like it's lacking bait, you know? Like, I think, again, compared to Alien, which obviously it shares nothing plot-wise with Alien, but just in the sense that Alien felt like this huge step forward. It felt like this, like so enamored world that was new and dark and fresh but dangerous and this movie by its contrast feels like a, a light jaunt because like, oh, someone had a fun little idea they did a light jaunt in the park of a movie and that's okay but it's not got the bite that a lot of other better sci-fi does and i think that's what kind of separates it but it's a fine time it's like it's a fun little enjoyable thing for what it is um so i would give it a seven it's good it's not great it's good Seven out of ten. Okay. Okay. You can't be too mad Fun at movie. me. So it's only half a point lower than yours. You can't actually be that mad at me. Um, I'm not mad. <laughs> Why should I be mad at you? I'm not no, mad. I'm mad. I'll kill anyone who says I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm Don't actually. Call Don't call me crazy. I kill your whole family. Don't call me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of changing that because the the classic version of that, that I really like is like I'm not crazy and I'll kill anyone who says I am. <laughs> I love that quote. <laughs> <laughs> mine was from werewolf from the mystery science theater version of werewolf i actually don't know what mine's from but i know it's from something but it's been, it's been ingrained in my mind for so long now that i've forgotten i have no idea where it's from um but yeah i'm not crazy and i'll kill anyone who says i am it's definitely from something i know a character says it in something but i couldn't tell you what uh i could probably google it maybe maybe it'll come up but maybe not um but yeah. this uh this has been the atomic cinema experiment we have been talking about time after time and time time. <laughs> um, i'm going to tell you what we're going to do next week on the atomic cinema experiment um, i can also tell you that by now you definitely should have the bonus movie on patreon uh, for the month of november because this will this will be at december by the time this goes up now um you should have rotor up for your enjoyment because we're recording that very soon um at the time of recording this and we can tell you that your bonus movie at the one dollar tier on patreon.com slash tv in the month of december <laughs> We agreed upon a Christmas themed movie. <laughs> so patrons will get us reviewing Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Whoop whoop. And not the Mystery Science Theater version. No, we're doing it raw. It's be rough. Yeah, we're doing it raw. We're, we're doing it. <laughs> I was, was going to put it in a really crude way, but it just. I'm not. It's going to be rough, right? That's all I'm saying. It's going to be rough. <laughs> Um, so I can also tell you that next week we on the regular episode we will be doing The Endless which has been a requested movie for a while actually uh, and I've been wanting to watch it for a while so uh, no idea what this is going um, in blind I, I believe it is completely different from time after time I think it's more of a, a more of a visceral indie sci-fi movie from the last few years so something completely different so we can jump around a little bit um, so that's what's coming up next week uh, so let us know what you think of the movie time after time in the comments below and uh, you can ding the bell on youtube as well make sure you get the notifications you can support us of course by rating the podcast on apple podcast give us five stars helps us out a lot if you do that because more people will find us uh we already mentioned patreon of course a couple of times so go and check out patreon get us on twitter at mail well you can get us on twitter at mail underscore fudge for the channel in general and everything we do you can get us on twitter specifically though at the ace podcast and you can check out other content we have tara get, promote something from mail fuzz that you'd be like to promote 
Well, you and I are going through the Twilight Zone. If you guys like old sci-fi, you can check out that. For some reason, because you paused there at this really awkward moment, I thought you were going to say, well, me and you are going through a rough patch, so... (laughs) (laughs) You just paused this really weird moment. that's every week. (laughs) Yes, uh, we're reviewing Twilight Zone. Things are not healthy right now. (laughs) You can uh, check out... We're taking some time apart. (laughs) You can check out the horror movie podcast that I do with Tim. Screams after midnight. Stay together for you guys. <laughs> for the kids, yes. For all the kids <laughs> at home. Um, so you can go check out that. I mean, Tim, I've got over 300 episodes. In fact, we're actually very close to 400 at this point. Um, well, in fact, coming up this May, I believe, is the fifth anniversary of Screams After Midnight. So, um, what? We'll have to do something special. I know. I know it's a big deal. Now, what is that like? Paper, gold. I don't know what the fifth anniversary gift is supposed to be. I don't know. Just do you guys have to renew your vows? Who, 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 who wants to remember all this stuff? Just I don't know. Have some anniversary sex and move on with your lives. Like I don't like. Let's not put so much thought into it. Hey, that's a good bonus bit. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> For joining us check out all the content we have of course um and yeah uh, that's been that's been time after time time after time <laughs> so yes uh but is there anything else i need to tell you i don't think so i think that is it. i think i've done all my outro stuff so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction films guys and computer at salsa Time after time.